Okay, so let's start with uh, source number one. Source number one says, famous Mishnah, Kol Yisrael Shem Chetel Maba, Shenemar Vameich Kulam Tzadikim, Lolam Yishar, Sengs Abedamayi Sedeli Spar. All of the Jewish people have a portion of what to come, and why? Because we're all Tzadikim. And because we're all Tzadikim, we all have a portion of what to come. Uh, with the exceptions, Ve'elush Elam Chetel Maba, and there's a, few, there's a whole list of people that, that don't have a Chetel Maba, and the first one is Omer ain't Chesamesim in the Torah. Someone says no. If someone says that Chesamesim does not true from the Torah, has no portion of the world to come. And it gives a list, and we'll go through the ones that it says afterwards a little bit later. Um, so says the Gemara. This I skipped a little bit, but the Gemara says first Gemara on on after the Mishnah. The Kol Why is it so strict to say that someone who doesn't believe that? That Tchis Amesim in a Torah, they lose their Olam Abba. Says the Gemara Tana, they taught. Who kafar with Tchis Amesim? He was kofar, he rejected Tchis Amesim. Lefikach, lo yeye lo chelik with Tchis Amesim. Someone was kofar in Tchis Amesim. He says, don't Tchis Amesim in a Torah. And therefore, he doesn't have Tchis Amesim. Which the Gemara obviously understands is Olam Abba. So, this is the source. Uh, when people say that Chiyas Mesim and Olam Abba are connected, this is the best source because the Gemara clearly says, Mishnah says, someone doesn't believe Chiyas Mesim is no Chiyas Olam Abba. The Gemara says, why? Because it's it's midli chenad demida. He doesn't believe Chiyas Mesim. He doesn't get Chiyas Mesim. You don't want it. You don't want to participate. You don't want to participate. You want to opt out. Sure, it's within your your rights. But you opt out. You opt out. So. Uh, here we see, so there's two things we, 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 I want to take out from this source number one. Source number one is, uh, item number one is that Jews are tzaddikim, and therefore Jews have right? If someone's at tzaddik, they have olam abba. If someone's not at tzaddik, they don't have olam And olam abba is connected to tchiyas amesim. So thus we can say, fairly, that who has tchiyas amesim? Tzaddikim. If someone's not at tzaddik, they don't have Tchiyas HaMesim. Is that right? Make sense? Yeah. If Tzadikim have Olam Abba, yeah. and Olam Abba comes via Tchiyas HaMesim, and only Tzadikim have Olam Abba, therefore only Tzadikim have Tchiyas HaMesim. That's, that's, uh, and if you had a doubt about it, I have source number two there to bolster it. This is also from the Gemara Sanhedrin. Tana de Belio, Tzadikim, She'az HaKadosh Baruch Hayosam, the Tzadikim of Tchiyas HaMesim, Einam Chosam Lo'afam, they don't die anymore. So once again, we see that this is exclusively for tzaddikim. And if you want to take a little peek a little bit later on in source number... Number, which source is it? Source number seven. Um, if source number seven, just skip ahead, you'll see that there it's also talking about Chiyas HaMesim. And it also says in a vote at the end, they have a bold, it says tzaddikim. Tzaddikim, who, who die and they come back by Chiyas HaMesim. So that's established. That who gets Olam Abba, Tzadikim, and therefore only Tzadikim have Tchiyas HaMesim. Okay. Problem with this is that it, the Gemara says clearly not like that. So source number three says, uh, famous Mishnah of Pirkei Avos, Akar Chachat HaNotzar, Akar Chachat HaNolad, Akar Chachat HaChai, Akar Chachat HaMais, V'Akar Chachat HaAsalit HaDim V'Chash Melech Machem Melech Makadosh Baruch Hu. Everyone's gonna. We don't make it. We don't decide to live, to be born, to to die, or to give din v'cheshbon. Okay, when's din v'cheshbon? So the next tomorrow on source number four makes it clear that din v'cheshbon is is by tchias hamesim. 
So this is a famous Gemara. The Gemara talks about Antoninus. Antoninus, almost everyone agrees, is Marcus Aurelius Antoninus, who was the emperor of Rome from the year 161 to the year 180. He was a good friend of Rebbe, of Rabbi Judah the Prince, and they had a lot of debates. The Gemara brings a bunch of debates that they had um, between the two of them. One of the debates was when Antoninus has this brilliant loophole to exonerate everyone from judgment. We know that if you do mitzvahs, you get schar, you do averis, you get, you, get, you get punished. That we all accept. Says Antoninus, I have a brilliant solution to avoid this. We'll build a sidestep judgment. How so? Amr Antoninus Larebi. Says Antoninus Larebi. Guf v'neshama yecholim liftar asma menadin. The guf and the shama can exonerate themselves, absolve themselves from judgment. Ketzad, how so? Guf omer neshama chatas. The guf says that it wasn't me that sinned, it was the neshama that sinned. How do I know that? From the day that it abandoned me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm helpless. I'm like a rock in the grave. And the neshama conversely, Omeris, that the guf sinned. From the t- time that I uh, left it, I'm flying in the air like a bird. So each one of them could say, I'm not the one that's guilty. Because look, by myself, I, I can't do any sins. That's his question that he asked Rebbe. And therefore, that you will never be able to have judgment. Omar lay. So what does Rebbe respond? Give you a marshal. A human king. He had a beautiful orchard. And he had in it Beautiful figs. And he, had, he hired two guards. One of them was lame, couldn't walk. One of them was blind, couldn't see. And they're in charge to watch. And the king left. So the, the lame but seeing guard said to the blind one, I see beautiful figs, Bapardis. Ba, come, Varki Veni, and give me a ride, give me a piggyback ride. Vinevim Lachlam, and we'll take him and eat them. So what happened? Rachav Chidra Gabi Suma. The Chidir, the lame one, got a ride on the blind one and directed him. Vinevim, they took all the fruits. Vachlam, and they ate all the fruits. Liamim, sometime later, Ba Balapardis, the teen came back. Amrlahem, Choros knows, Hechanhein. Where are those figs that I tasked you with watching? Amr Lachidir said the lame person, Do I have any legs to watch? It's not me. Obviously, it's the other guy that, that ate it. Amr Suma says the Suma, Do I have any eyes to see? It must be the Chidir, the lame one that, that sinned, that ate. Ma'asa. So what did the king do? He took the lame one, and gave, put him back on the pity bag on top of the suma, on top of the blind one. Vidan osan ke'echad. And he judged them as if they were one entity. Avakadosh baruchu. So to the Almighty. Mevi neshama. Takes the neshama. Vizarka baguf. And thrusts it into the body. Vidan osan ke'echad. And judges them as one. So the body is in the ground, dead. The soul is floating around the ear like a bird. Each one of them on their own cannot be judged. What does he want to do? Puts them back together. And now can judge them like one. Whoever is a proof from the Pasuk. So this to me was a big question. Like, 
if Tchiesa Mesim is for Elam Abba, which is reward, and Tchiesa Mesim therefore is only for Tzadikim, because only Tzadikim have Elam Abba, like the sources we bring, what is this idea that to have judgment, to have din v'cheshbon, which is for everyone, that's for everyone, and that seems to be reunification of body and soul. That's what the Gemara says. It's, like, it's playing Gemara. I remember I was listening to a shir once from Yaakov Weinberg, and he was, the shir was titled, What Happened After You Died? This he gave when he was in Aish. In Aish, he would give a shir, but the way he would give a shir in Aish, he'd just come in the summer. He'd come in the summer to Aish, give a shir every day. But when he walked up and took the shir, they get, hand him a note with a topic. So one time, they came the topic, what happens after you die? So he says that after you die, we always think, oh, judgment, right? And it's true, because the Gemara does say that there is some, some degree of judgment. But here he said, and this, I had no proof until I saw this tomorrow, he said that the actual judgment day, the Yom Adin, so to speak, it's by Tchiyas Mason, And this is a Beferish tomorrow. And thus we see it's really for everyone. Adarabah, the Rishayim, are the ones that need the judgment more than the Tzadikim. So what's going on over here? How do we parse out what's Tchiyas and and how Tchiyas HaMesim relates to al and also to judgment as, as one? So what, what, I, what I see, and this is, I'm, not, I'm not positive, but I, I, my, my hypothesis, what I suspect, there's some proofs that it's not, it's not ironclad, and the Rishayim talk about this, so I don't want to say like my position, but it seems likely to me that there's actually two Tchiyas And the Rishonim used those Lashon, so it's okay to use the Lashon. There's actually two Tchiyas There's one Tchiyas for judgment, and one Tchiyas for Olam Now how exactly those are connected, and what's the timeline, that will leave to the Rishonim. But let's just accept this idea that here the Gemara Sama Tchiyas that's for everyone, and that's for judgment. And there's another Tchiyas that's reward, that's just for Tzadikim, and that's for reward. But either way, they're separate domains. And not only that, if you look, and this would kind of inch us into the surya, if you look at what I have here bolded, what does it say? It says the Almighty is going to take the neshama, and place it into the body. It seems like we have body and soul, they're united when we're alive, they get separated, and they get put back together the same way as prior. If you look at the Gemara earlier, what is the argument of the neshama? The neshama says... Whenever I left the guf, now I'm flying like a bird in the air. So what happens? That's exactly undone. It's put back in the guf the same way it was as it was before. It seems likely from the sudya that the way we are now as humans, guf and ashama, is the same way we're going to be by judgment. Right? What's the marshal? The chidr is on top of the summa during life. And then during judgment, the chidr is once again on top of the summa. So the neshama is inside the guf over here, and the neshama once again will be inside the guf by this judgment. That's the paradigm. That's the model. The model is, is that it's, it's a guf host, and it's a neshama inside the host, and that's the, the humans that we are used to. However, for it's not built in the same model. It's a total recreation of man, and in fact, it's not neshama subservient to guf. Rather, it's actually the opposite. It's the neshama's dominant, and the, nesho, and the guf, the body, is just there. You know, it's just incidental to the story. How so? So let's see the Gemara here. 
the Gemara tells of a debate that happened with a Caesar and Rabbi Gamliel about Tchias So This is source number five. What happened? I'm going to say to Rabbi Gamliel. That Caesar said to Rabbi Gamliel, Amarisu, you guys say, that the dead people will come to life. Hohava Afra. But behold, they're dust. And does dust live? Could you make dust alive? It's a good question. How, how, how is Tchias going to work? Amrle Barte, so his daughter, the Caesar's daughter says, Shafke, leave him. Don't answer. Vano and I, Mahadronale, I'll answer him. Okay, so what's her answer? Shnei Yotrim Yesh There's two craftsmen in our city, two construction managers. Echad Yotzer Minamayim, one builds from water. Ve'echad Yotzer Minatit, and one builds, one crafts out of cement. Or plaster. Which one is a more impressive feat? To build a house out of concrete or to build a house out of water? That's the question she asked her father. Amar Leisa responded, The one who builds out of water. Amar Leisa, she said to him, If the Almighty can create humans from water, from the primordial biological fluid, all the more so, the Almighty can use a much more substantial uh, uh, source in the form of earth. That's, that's her response. So in Olam Azen, this world, in the, the biological facts that we're aware of, there's some sort of water-like material that creates man. That's a tremendous feat of engineering, of architecture. If the Almighty could do that, how much harder could it be to do something more substantial like like uh, like plaster, like like dust, like offer. So so that that seems like it's just a, a, a debate. Now the question is, what can we do with this? Because this is sometimes there's something very interesting. The, the Farshim point out, Marshall talks about it. So I think the Svas Emes also, also mentions this, uh, even though I didn't see it today, so I, I can't verify where the source is. But I remember seeing that what this is actually telling us is that humans are formed with water. That's how we're formed over here. Oilma they were formed with water. Oilma ba, it's a different creation. We're formed from earth, from Afar. Tainu, we're physiologically different here versus Oilma ba. Here we're a human, you got a body, body's dominant, the soul is just there. It's, 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 you know what, you can live your whole life without tending to its needs. Oilma ba is the opposite. The soul is dominant. That's the only thing on the agenda of the person. The body's just there. Varaisa is like, there's no eating, there's no drinking. How do you live without eating and drinking? Well, your body's just there. You don't need to tent it. It doesn't need to be assuaged. And there, Chazal telling us that this is a, not just the, you're taking the neshama, throwing it back into the goof the way it was prior. No, this is a entire recreation of man. It's a different model. It's made out of earth. And by the way, who else do we know in history? It's one of the human history that we know that was made out of earth. Who might that be? Adam Arishan, that's right. The Torah says that the, that the Almighty made uh, offer men Adamo. So when Chazal say that man, by Olam Abba, by Tchis Mesim of Olam Abba, is going to be made from the offer, and that's exactly the way Adam Arishan was made, we're told that it's going to be in the same model, the same paradigm of, 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 of Adam Arishan. And by the way, how was Adam Arishan? He didn't have a Yetzirah. He was an entirely different human than we are. 
the Gemara says, he was from one end of the world to the other end of the world. He was able to name all the animals. He was a remarkable individual. You know, he, he had tremendous vision and, and capability and unlimited. He, 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 know, he had nothing stopping between him and God. He had no Yitzhar. Rashi tells us he had no Yitzhar. He didn't know Ben Tov So when we're going to be rebuilt for Olam we're going to be built out of earth entirely different and that's not just you know, a, a, a perfunctory unification of soul and body like we are now. Does that make sense, guys, so far? Very interesting. So we're going to be like Adam Rishon with no Yitzhahar. So how, how does this work? So this is, so we see maybe a link between Tchesa Mesim and Olam Abba, two kinds of Tchesa Mesims. What about, what I want to explore now is the continuum. So we have life over here. Our actions over here matter vis-a-vis our capacity to get to Olam Abba. But I want to kind of examine this continuum of life and then death, and then Tchiyas and then Olam Abba, or those two are, are united, or they're one of the same, or maybe Tchiyas is just the shift, and Olam Abba is the reality. However, however you, want to, you want to explain this. So we're told a very interesting, very famous Mishnah, Peter Avos, on source number six, Rabbi Yaakov Omer, Ha'olam Azedom Prostar, this world is comparable to a prostar, prostar is like a corridor, Bifnei Ha'olam Abba, before Olam Abba, Prepare yourself, fix yourself in the poster. So that you are able to enter the Traklin. So what we're told is that this world and Olam Abba are also united in that you have to prepare yourself here before you get to there. Now, what do you do to prepare yourself to ensure that you're worthy? That much is, is unclear, right? Can we figure out a way, or at least a model, of explaining how we prepare ourselves in Olam Azeh, that way we can enter Olam Abba properly? Because we see it's only for tzaddikim. So essentially the question is, how do you make yourself into a tzaddik? But also, once you're a tzaddik, so what now? Like, how, how does the development, what happens in the interim, for example? You know, you're a regular human the way we are, and then you die, and then there's and you're recreated from scratch, like other missions. So what happens in the interim? What happens when you're dead, really? It's just a waiting period? It's an interesting question. So look at source number seven here. It's interesting that the Chazal point out that the, the non-Jews were fascinated with Olam Abba. That's why you see the Caesars asking a bunch of questions. And here's one from Cleopatra. Sha'ala Cleopatra Malkasas Rabbi Meir. The Queen Cleopatra asked Rabbi Meir. Amr, she said like this. Yodana, I know, I agree. Dechai Shachvi. That those that are dead will come to life. And she quotes the verse. Right? Fine, she agrees to that. But what's her question? Ella Rather, kishahim omdim, when they come to life, omdim arumim, do they arise naked? Obil or do they arise with clothing? And incidentally, when the Rambam, in his famous treatise on reward and punishment, and he talks about Olam Abba, he says that instead of people asking what Olam Abba really is, they ask nonsensical questions as, are they, are they naked or not? He says that's a nonsensical question. But the Gemara does, obviously, 
uh, a hold of it. There's some value to this question. Decent question. You're, you're coming back to life. Dressed or undressed. And by the way, this also lends credence to the idea that Olam Abba, well, he doesn't explicitly mention Abba, so let's hold off that. So it's not necessarily a proof. Amr so what's his response? Kalvachomer mechita. Very bizarre response. He makes a kalvachomer from mechita. From a wheat. Umachita. Just like wheat, nikvara, when it's buried, it's buried aruma, it's buried naked, bereft of any chaff. And still, yotza bekamalavushim, still when it comes up, it has lots and lots of levels of clothing, so to speak, of chaff. Tzadikim, the tzadikim, shenikvarim bilavushehem, al achas kama vakama. Tzadikim that are buried with their clothing, how much more so do they emerge with clothing? So first I want to point out, the thing that he brings an example is, is a chita, right? Chita is wheat, and wheat, you drop the wheat in the ground, and it comes out with lots of levels on top of it. He could have said for the same price, apples, right? Apple, you drop an apple pit, and the pit emerges with also covered, right? So the Mepharshim talk about that chita, according to one opinion in the Gemara, some Gemara's talk about this, but chita was the same, what was the fruit that Adam Rishon ate from the Eitz Hadas. Uh, and therefore, this is somehow linked that, somehow, means that, so it's not random, but either way, I think the imagery is very powerful imagery. We're comparing the tzaddik in his life to a seed. The seed's dropped into the ground, the seed, i.e., is buried, and then it comes out, it blooms, it blossoms, it emerges. Now, if I showed you a seed, you wouldn't necessarily know what fruit or produce it is connected to. Right? And not only that, a seed has in it maybe the, it has the inherent, the latent capacity for everything that emerges, but it's not quite the same thing, right? You drop in the seed, the seed is not necessarily edible. A seed is not necessarily, and this looks the same as the final product, even though it has kind of the same DNA. It has the same qualities, but it gets expanded, and the potential gets developed when it's in the ground. And we're told it's a deep him, you drop them in the ground, and when they come out, they're going to come out in the same manner. But what does that also tell us? That also tells us that depending on what kind of seed is put into the ground, an exact replica of that, maybe at a a bigger scale, bigger scope, but a replica of that is what's going to emerge. means perhaps we can even say that the goal of life here, according to this model, is to make yourself into the best kind of seed because that when you put that into the ground, that's going to emerge by Tresamesim. And you know what? Not all seeds are the same. I would say not even there's different variants of wheat, and, and you know, some, some of them are better, some of them are worse, some of them are healthier. We know Huh? GMOs, but even Paro, right? Paro sees, you know, some you know, there's the emergence of the really healthy and robust stocks, and then there's the Nebuchadnezzar ones, right? What's the difference? It means there are different environments or different qualities of seeds, you would assume. So it's not all the same. That's an interesting model that Olam is the core to Olam Abba because Olam is the seed 
that gets full bloom in Olmaba. It comes to its full potential in Olmaba. But I want to show you here, this is a little bit mind-blowing. The Gemara says this a little bit um, a step further, I would say, here, in the, in the Gemara a little bit later on in the Sanhedrin, on, on source number 8. Amar Avtavi Amar Abiyashia, Maidich Siv Sha'ol V'otzer Rechem, Eretz Lo Sveya Mayim. So quotes a verse in, in Mishle, in Proverbs. Sha'ol means a grave. Otzer Rechem means the narrow part of the womb. So the Gemara says, what did these things possibly do with each other? What does a grave have to do with a narrow part of uh, a, uh, the reproductive organs of a woman? What, what possibly could they have to do with each other? To tell you, just like a rechem, something goes in and something goes out. Also a grave, Machnis umotzi. So too, a grave, something goes in and something goes out. This is also another Gemara. Just like a rechem, uh, when, when something is placed inside the rechem, it's done modestly. And motzim and bekole kolos, but when it emerges, Obviously, what goes in and what goes out cannot be more different. But what emerges, it emerges. It goes in quietly, in, in, uh, discreetly. But what comes out screaming and yelling, Sha'ol, the grave, Shemachnizim bo bekolos, when you put the body into the grave, you make that deposit. It's done with wailing and mourning and loud noises. How much more so will it emerge with tremendous uh, sound and um, fanfare. The Gemara also says, This is also proof from the Gemara, from the Gemara's linkage of Sha'ol and Ortsarechem, of a grave and the narrow part of the womb, that also is proof to So to me, this is a very, this kind of, it's the same idea, that there's a seed going into the ground, and the seed is something that cannot be more different but it also cannot be more the same, the same than, what comes, than what comes out. Right? You put the seed into the rechem, and you look at that, if you saw that on the floor or somewhere, right? if you just saw it in the lab, you would say, this is nothing. You see a baby born, it's an entirely different thing, but on a molecular level, it's exactly the same thing. So too, the, the, the kever, the sha'ol, the grave, it's exactly the same thing. You put it in. You put it. You put it in the grave. What's it? It's a dead body, right? But it's not just a dead body. It's your whole life. That's this is the process. This is the almost as the prosdar. You drop it in, and then what comes out is the same thing, but is an entirely different, unimaginably different, even though it's at the core the same thing. Not only that. This um, look at source nine and ten. But it, it's still hidden, right? But then, well, the Gemara, but the, but, but the Gemara, but the Gemara also brings ten other sources. Okay. The Gemara brings a bunch of other sources. This is incidental. This is actually after the Gemara's finished all sources. It says, "Ah, here's another raya." But it brings multiple sources. This is the tshuva. It's like a funny rush. Yeah. Like, and if you have anyone who bothers you, like, there's no tchesem in the Torah, you show them this. <laughs> right. This and it's funny because it is from Mishlei. Mishlei, right. But I want you guys look at this um, ten and eleven. 
I'm sorry, 9 and 10. The Rambam tells us that Lashonar Kodesh called Lashonar Kodesh because it has no names for the genitalia, for reproductive organs. That's why it's called Lashonar Kodesh. So what names does it use? So if you learned Hilchas Nida, you know. The uterus cannot open without blood. What's it called? It calls it a kever. It's like right in front of our eyes, this, this imagery. And by the way, what's the name of the narrow part of the womb? So this is a Mishnah Nida. Mashal, mashal, chacham, b'isha, ha-cheder, v'ha-prozdar, v'ha-aliyah. It calls the narrow part of the womb prozdar, which almost says a prozdar to olam ba. Same thing. Mind blown. Right? Always has the prozer, so that it goes in and goes out. It's the same, it's the same, it's the same thing. It's, it's just, even though it could be, uh, you know, it's seen very differently. And I want to say even a step further. I mean, you, you point out that this is a little bit of an unconventional imagery to be using. Uh, but I would say, perhaps, no, this is specifically the right image to use. Because in, 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 in the nimshal, what's the nimshal? The nimshal is that there's the seed going in, and then there's the baby being born. I would argue that what's life? Life is in the Sionos. It's a challenge. And can we say that there's no greater area of, of challenge than in that realm? And that, and, and that particular activity can be entirely different. Like it could be Kedusha, it could be like, uh, you know, it could be uh, that Zachu uh, Shechinah like the Gemara says in Sota, that when the ish for ish is achosh name, or to be the greatest sin in the world, and not only that, there could be there's two diametrically opposing motivations. It could be one is, is procreational, so thinking about laasid, and one's recreational, only about only about this activity. And I would say that's what that's what life is about. Life is a question: Are we going to give into the temptations of the Sahara and say that this is the only world that we have? And therefore, we have to maximize this for its own merit. Or we're thinking towards all my blood, towards creating some other future in, in a very, very productive and transformative and earth-changing uh, um, contribution that we can make to the world and to ourselves. And to have a legacy. Is there any greater legacy than to have children? Is there any, any, any greater eternity to know that you could have millions of grandchildren, uh, great-grandchildren across the world? And, but the same activities, it's radically different. One of them is, 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 total, is total depravity, and the other one could be total eternity. And it's the same activity, because it depends on what, what your motivation is. Olamazeh. You can live olamazeh in, in, total, in total decadence, and have, you know, have, what are you going to have to show for it? Nothing. Or you can live olamazeh and create new worlds. So I think it is indeed very apt and I think when Chazal threw this in to call it a prosdar, I think there was a wink-wink to know that this is all connected. And when this hit me, it hit me like a ton of bricks. So uh, I thought it was uh, very, very interesting. So how do we ensure that, uh, that we are indeed making the right kind of seed, so to speak, of ourselves, so that when we die, we have Olam uh, Abba? So what did we say at the beginning? We said that someone doesn't believe in Chesamesim, doesn't get Chesamesim. Now is that a punishment? Or that's just a statement of fact? Can we say that when, when someone who doesn't believe in Chesamesim certainly would have lived their life uh, in a way that is reflective of that ideal, 
And then he gets the Olam and he's not a good candidate. Not because he's punished. It's because Olam is for, so to speak, citizens of Olam people that actually believe in these ideals, believe in the spiritual world. If someone doesn't live their life in the spiritual world, so then what seed are they depositing? Uh, uh, earthly uh, 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 you know, uh, a, a, the paradigm of our world that we have today, where the body is dominant and the soul is just there, keeping you alive and you're not even aware of it. Okay, you get to Olam your soul is not at all at the forefront. Okay, so Olam is a world of souls, you're, you're just not a good candidate. Can we say that our goal in this world, in Olam is to make ourselves a, either a citizen already here of Olam and thus, what do we put into the ground? Of course, it's not going to be what it's going to develop into over the course of our kever, but there's something there of identification of soul as core essence of our identity, and therefore, I'm a candidate, I'm a citizen for Olam Abba, already here, and they get Olam Abba, and they welcome me in, because I, I, I've earned it, so to speak. I would say perhaps we can say that when the Gemara says, um, the Gemara says that Olam and Olam are like opposites. That it's Olam Hafech Raisi. They're just opposing worlds. You know, people are you know, looking at the world entirely upside down. Now, people in Olam are looking at our world upside down. People over here are looking at Olam upside down. And that's just, you know, who's right, who's wrong? The Gemara says is that we think they're crazy, but really we're the ones who are crazy. You know, if, I, if we were all suspended from the ceiling by our feet... You can make the argument that we think that everyone else is not, that's not like that, it's crazy. Perhaps we can say that our goal here to become a pros dark, to, to get ready, to fix yourself before Olam Abba. In this, you, you have a pros dark to get ready to kind of align yourself with Olam Abba. You align yourself with Olam Abba, you make that deposit uh, with your death, and thus you can emerge in Olam Abba. Now, so that's kind of the big picture. But it also says that tzaddikim, to be a tzaddik. What, what does the word tzaddik mean? I would say, I was thinking about this today. Perhaps we could say that tzaddik, what does the word tzaddik come from the word tzaddik? It means just, it means, it means righteous, but it means also like upright. Perhaps we can say that, indeed, like using this model, that like, in all of everyone's, it's all normal. Everyone's standing, you know, everything's right side up. Here, everything's upside down. To become a tzaddik is to someone who becomes justified, who becomes normalized, who achieves sanity. Here, and thus, and all above, while well, they're sane and they're admitted. Uh, someone who stays this, like this world, stays crazy, okay, then they're just not a good candidate. Uh, but the Gemara also says here, so I have here in source, um, source 11, the Gemara says, someone who says amen, call me shahu one amen ba'olam hazeh, zocha la'anos amen la'olam haba. They made this into a song, even though they changed some words. Like there's Jewish songwriters. Jewish songwriters love to, to take liberties with the words of Chazal and say, let's make it fit into the beat a little bit better. If someone says Amen al they get to say Amen al But What does Amen mean? Amen is recognition of God. It's from the word Emunah. Perhaps we can say that at the core of becoming a tzaddik is to have Emunah. By the way, there's a, there's a source to that, right? Uh, Vitzadik. What's a tzadik? Be'emunah. So, yecheh. Someone who lives with the muna, someone who lives with the recognition of God, is obviously someone who's right side up. They're living with all of our principles, with what, with, with, with what their neshama holds in high regard. 
and thus someone says a main is someone who recognizes that. And you say a main here, then you'll say a main alaba. It's the same thing. Because you are an alaba kind of person here, and thus you get alaba, you're your your candidate. What about the people that lose their Omaba? Well, someone who loses their Omaba is someone, like the Gemara says, um, so it gives an example. Well, if someone doesn't believe in Chesamesim, clearly they're not living with Chesamesim in mind. Clearly they're living just for this world. If there's no Chesamesim, it doesn't make logical sense to live for any other purpose other than trying to make the most out of this world. Well, okay, then you get deposited on the ground that that's what you believe in, that's what you are, that's the deposit that you make, and that's what emerges, and you have to deal with what the, with what the implications of that is. If someone says, Ein Torah Mera Shemayim, well, I think that one's very simple. If someone doesn't have Torah, then most certainly they're not going to be able to have a Muna, they're not going to be able to combat their Yetzirah. By the way, why are we flipped upside down in this world? It's only because of our Yetzirah. The Yitzhahara is the one that causes the choshech, it causes the, uh, the obscurity in this world. And therefore, if someone doesn't have Torah to combat the Yitzhahara, then there's no way that they could change their mindset to the Olam Abba mindset, and they'll be stuck with the Yitzhahara mindset. And of course, they won't be able to, they won't be able to get Olam Abba. Now, there's another one here. Um, it says that if someone undoes their bris milah. Oh, Apichorus. Let's do Apichorus first. What's an Apichorus? So the Gemara says, on source number 13, Apichorus, Kigon Man. What's an, what's an Apichorus? Omer uh, Yosef, Kigon Hani Amri Mai Ahanali Rabbanan. Like those people that say, what do the rabbis, what, what do the rabbis do that's productive in the world? A lot of people, I think, today believe that. Um... Now, why is that punishable by loss of Olam I think this is the same thing. When someone says, what, are the, what have the rabbis done for us? What is that? It's not necessarily the great worst sin in the world. Is, is there a, a, a prohibition in the Torah to say not to say, what are the rabbis, have the rabbis done for us? No, not necessarily. It just means it, it reveals what their priorities are. It reveals that someone like this clearly doesn't value any spiritual pursuit. What have the rabbis done for us? What have they contributed to the world, right? They're not building out, sorry, let me do that. But they're not building uh, businesses or being productive in a, in a physical, materialistic sense, and therefore, I see no value in their contribution. Well, someone who sees no value in their contribution is clearly not someone who's living with the ideals of Olam Abba, with emuna, so to speak, as we call it emuna. And therefore, okay, you don't have the muna, you're not a tzaddik, the way, in the sense that would give you a portion of the Olam Abba. You're not living with Olam Abba as, as, a, as a role. You're not preparing yourself in, the, in this prose door. Okay, so the same thing that goes into the prose will come out of the prose on the other side. Someone, uh, this is not on the, on the notes here, but someone who undoes their, someone who undoes their bris also loses their chelik in Olam Abba. Perhaps we can say, that all the Jewish people have the Why? Because we're all tzaddikim. Who says we're all tzaddikim? Mechadeh says we're tzaddikim. Maybe we're not tzaddikim. Some of us are tzaddikim, some of us are not tzaddikim. Why do we have this cheskes kashrus, this default status? Unless you know otherwise, you know a Jew is a tzaddik. How do you know that? Well, perhaps we could say, well, the Torah calls us, the, the Gemara says in Shabbos, that we're maminim b'nei maminim. We have a muna. If you have a muna, automatically uh, you're a tzaddik. Why? Because you have Torah. And the Torah aligns your priorities and values in life. 
to the Amuna mindset. And by doing that, you flip yourself over, you become a citizen in Olam Abba, you deposit that seed, that's what, that's what emerges. Not only that, right? what is one of the nicknames of the Eight Sahara? The Gemara says in, in Sukkot Daphnon Beis that there's seven names for the Eight Sahara. One of the names is Aral. By us symbolically removing the Arla, what are we doing? We're getting rid of the Eight Sahara. Of course, this is only symbolic. It's a lifelong journey. We get rid of the Eight Sahara, and what do we expose as a result of getting rid of the Eight Sahara? The crown of the Almighty. And therefore, that's a microcosm of what our life as a Jew is really all about. So a little baby, he doesn't know anything of anything. At eight days, they say, okay, this is what it means to be a Jew. It means to remove your Arla, to undo your Yetzirah, and thereby expose the Kedusha, so to speak, the holiness that you have that's representative of the crown of God. And then there's one guy says, that's why, because by default, they have all of Chayat because they're all part of this nation, as represented by the symbolism that we do uh, with the bris mila. Someone who's Moshe Harlasa, what are they saying? They're showing, I'm not part of this. I'm not part of this. I don't believe this. Okay, so then you're, then, okay, then you have to prove, you have to earn it on your, on your own merit, not, you can't, we, we, we don't assume with this guy that they're a tzaddik, because they're showing that they don't want to live by those principles. Uh, and lastly, I think this kind of really doves tail with what we spoke about last week, we saw a Ramchal last week that says that how do you get Olam We're doing mitzvos. By doing mitzvos. Well, now we see how it all connects. The Gemara says, achas. Comes Chabakrot and says, there's one underlying core principle of all of Torah. What's that? Every mitzvah is an act of amuna. Thus, every mitzvah says the Gemara in Chulin, 142, brings you to Tchir Samezim Says the Ramchal, how do you get to Olam By doing mitzvahs. Because a mitzvah is an act of emuna. Emuna is a realignment of your life. Right? Why would someone do a mitzvah? A mitzvah is only something that someone would do if they recognize God. If, if you recognize God, well, you're halfway home, right? You're already living with this other world perspective. You live with the other world perspective, you have a bigger picture of what life's all about, and that's what you deposit in your grave. You deposit in your grave, and that's what emerges. That's we can say that every mitzvah, no matter which mitzvah it is, is going to uh, bring us closer to Ramuna and closer to Olam Abba. Uh, and that's that, guys. So that's, uh, that's that. Um, I think we could say, I think it does connect a lot of the, a lot of the dots that we kind of have had scattered um, of, of how Tchis Amazim actually works and what, uh, what's the process and what's the model and how do things, uh, you know, what's the progression. Um, what it means to be a tzaddik. What does it mean to be a tzaddik? And tzaddik is a baseline, the Ramchal says, that tzaddik is what every Jew needs to become. We kind of think of tzaddik as a chassid. But a chassid is l'fenim b'shur sedin. Tzaddik means doing all the mitzvahs. That's all it means. You do the mitzvahs, you're a tzaddik. What, why do we do mitzvahs? A lot of people ask the question, why do we do mitzvahs? Why should you do mitzvahs? Does the Almighty really care? How many questions? How many times have I got that question? Does the Almighty really care if I eat a cheeseburger? Why, why the Almighty should be worried about bigger things? No, it's, it's for us. It's not for the Almighty. The Almighty is telling you, 
do these mitzvahs. By doing these mitzvahs, you're achieving the proverbial bris milah, like Arlas Lavavchem, probably that's what it means. You're getting rid of the Sahara because you're doing something with the recognition that God exists and there's this other world out there. By doing that, well, what are you undoing? You're undoing Yetzirah's mindset that he implants upon you. And thus, when the Yetzirah's impact is entirely neutered, when we're like other Mauritians, they didn't have a Yetzirah. The Yetzirah, the Gemara says in, in Sukkah, is slaughtered. There's no Yetzirah. Okay, well, to the degree that you're still haven't aligned yourself to the Amuna mindset, well, then you're not a good candidate for Olam Okay, guys. Nice.